You're listening to The Right to be Catholic with Sean A.R. Brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center. Welcome, everybody, to the Right to be Catholic podcast, where we tackle everyday issues that we as Catholics face in our modern world today. I'm your host, Catholic speaker and advocate, Sean A.R. Today's show, we will focus on the transformation through loss. We will discuss a wonderful program called Strive for Seminarians, and we will talk about how to deal with grief through, this, through a support group that we have at ECRC called Grief Ministry. I will talk with the founders of both of the organizations, and they will share their story with us. So the Bible quote I have for this topic comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. And it goes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And I chose that Bible quote because when you when I introduce my guests, they'll talk about how through their tragedy, they came to form a wonderful organization called Grief Ministry where they help comfort those who are going through similar grief. But of course, we all know that at first, God had to comfort them in order for this to be. So without further ado, I want to welcome my two guests I have with me in the studio is John Mansour and his wife, Ann Mansour. Thank you both for coming and coming on the podcast. Sean, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Wonderful. So John and Ann, I was with you guys. Of course, the Chaldean community knows your story, but I... I you know, the other day I was with you both and you were telling me about your beautiful family. If you guys could please share a little bit about your beautiful family with us. So John and I met in 1999. We got married June of 2000. Um, we have three beautiful children, Alexander, Gabrielle, and Adriana. Um, Alexander was 11 and a half. Um, Gabby was six and a half, and Adriana was 10 at the time, 2013. Um, we had a beautiful family. Um, it was... Go ahead, John. Yep, so I would say, Sean, it was a complete family, one that was very close and, and shared just about every weekend together. We, we love to be outdoors. We biked. We like to pick apples. We like to do long walks. We loved vacations. So we frequented Florida a whole lot. We loved cruises. We loved just being with friends and family. It was about togetherness and love. And uh, that's what kind of made our family very close um, and close just not with you know family and friends, but with our neighbors, with our community, with our schools. And uh, we were just very tight-knit, and it was all about family every day, all day. And um, we were just very blessed to you know, have that life, and we have that life now in a, in a very different way because of the tragedy. So I call it kind of a new normal. You kind of refer, hear me referring to a new normal. It, it, it's a new life, one that's continuing now with Ann and I and Adrienne, our survivor. Um, we've got a very deep faith, and... Um, a lot of love from our community, our diocese, our friends, our 
school districts and beyond. And uh, just thankful first to the Lord for all His graces and allowing us to be here, to give us the strength to wake up every day and kind of deal with the world. Um, and I think it's something that I learned from my two children that were here with us, that uh, every day is a great day. Um, and they made me believe that, um, you know, we got to wake up with that attitude to take on the world and, you know, take on the many challenges and the many sins that exist out there and to be able to overcome it. So I'm forever grateful to Alex and Gabby for teaching their mom and dad just that and their sister, Adriana. Um, and at the same time, uh, just grateful for my family, both before in terms of what I have and have today. So Wonderful. I, I will add that, you know, in spending the time I did spend with you guys, you do have a beautiful family. Adriana is wonderful. And her and I actually connected very fast because we have similar interests. We love the Chaldean community, the Chaldean church. We'll talk about that uh, later in the podcast. And just showing me your family, you know, your daughter and your son, the one that passed, such beautiful souls. Uh, you shared with me a story, and about Gabby's gift of life. And I, I wanted you to share that with, with our listeners. So uh, you were saying in, in her last moments that you guys were approached by the organization Gift of Life, correct? Yes. Um, after, after the doctors told us that she was brain dead, a um, few minutes after that, we barely had a chance to breathe. And um, they walked in and they asked us if we were if we wanted to donate her organs. And at that time, we were both very mad. You know, we were mad at God, we were mad at everything. And um, we, we turned them down. We just said, no, you know, we don't wanna do this. And they left the room. And a few minutes after they left, I think we both heard Gabby talking to us, and she told us that it was the right thing to do. Um, she wanted to give her organs, and that's what we heard from her. And we went back and called them and told them that, you know, we changed our mind. We wanted to give her organs, and she saved lives by doing that. She's a hero. Uh, she saved four lives. It's an amazing story, John. You were telling me she saved uh, how many? How many people exactly? Because so, you guys were told, correct? Sure, Sean. So a total of four lives were saved. Uh, it was at that time three children and one adult. So we did donate her kidneys, her liver, and part of her intestines and pancreas. So in the heart, actually, and uh, so three, three, three souls, three young souls out there in this world uh, are carrying out with Gabby's organs and one adult as well and along the way sean um i think i failed to share with you but this gift of life the way it works it's on an anonymous basis so there is no requirement from either the the donor or recipient family to communicate but at a point in time maybe four years ago one of the recipients now a teenager wrote us anonymously in his own handwritten short brief letter that he was doing very well early on in high school and just very thankful for the gift of life in our family. And it was very short, uh, very sweet, and it was very nice to hear that um, you know life was moving on and he was doing well. So. I mean, I, you know, even though it, that day for you guys was very tragic, but I believe God, you know, used your daughter, Gabby, 
to save lives. And that's just an amazing thing right there. You guys should feel very proud that your daughter, even in her last moments, still did something so miraculous and so wonderful that today you said four people are still alive today because of her. And that was Gabby and that was Alex, Sean. They, again, it was people. Oh, both of them. It was, no, no. It was Gabby and Alex in terms of their oh, personality. Oh, yeah. And the way they lived. Meaning it was always about people and people first. It wasn't me ever. It was always about we. And that's the way we raised them and that's the way they lived their lives. And that's the message that we got from Gabby at the very end. It's not me, mom and dad. It's about we and the people they out were there. They very giving. They loved people. They loved helping. And that's who they were. Gabby brightened up the world. And she's still brightening up the world as she's gone. So... We believe they're, they're still here with us. Um, her heart is still beating, and we still plan on meeting that person that she saved. We plan on listening to her heart one day when we're ready. I hope, I, I hope you guys do get an opportunity to do that. And, you know, I told you guys this the other day when I was at your house, and looking at both of you guys, looking at your daughter and the way you guys are today, that, you know, I truly believe this saying that God you know, only uses his toughest soldiers for the toughest battles. And I'm looking at you guys being a parent myself. My wife and I, you know, have multiple, multiple times talked about this. And I, I don't, I, it, I praise you both for still being who you guys are and what you guys are doing today. Because as a father myself, I, I pray that, you know, I, God never tests me in that way. But, you know, I want to tell you guys that you guys are one of the toughest people that I've ever met. And knowing you guys in the, as long as time I, I have. And I've even told John, the first conversation we had, I was like, man, I already like you already. In our first conversation. Sean, and I'm sure that was reflected in your children. Thank you for that. But I would credit all this to God and his graces. And once again, I'm thankful to him first and foremost that uh, he's allowed for this and he's provided for this. So... Uh, Thank you very much, Lord. Um, as Christians, as Catholics, as believers, and those that trust in Him, um, you know it, it's working, and um, you know all the blessings to our Lord. So thank you, God. Amen. As long as you believe in Him, He will be there to give you the strength that you need every day. And that's I believe that's what's carrying me every day. It's Him. <clears throat> I wouldn't be able to wake up every morning if it wasn't for Him carrying me out of the bed and helping me through my day, helping me carry that cross every single day. And that's what, you know, you have to believe that he's there helping you every day. Otherwise, you won't get through this world. I agree with you, Anne. Surrendering ourselves to God every single day to tell him, like, hey, listen, I can't do this without you. That's for all of us. But, you know, for you guys, I, 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 I love that you guys have that strength to still do that. So, and you did mention, you said during that time, you guys were very, or you were very angry with God mm -hmm. at that time. So, John, I was talking to you as well about that. And you guys were saying that, you know, you had that faith still, but the part of you guys was like, why God? Or, you know, can you please elaborate on that? Sure. I mean, Sean, with um, any any situation, any time we're challenged or have to carry that cross, just uh, the human nature in us will kind of force us to question why, to challenge him, to be upset with him. And for some, I think that kind of pain, that kind of questioning can last for days, months, years, or forever in some cases. But I think in our case, again, thanks to the grace of the Lord and His strength, I think He you know, allowed us to kind of pause very quickly and uh, almost kind of stop the questioning 
and turn to kind of reacting, reacting in terms of caring for one another, lifting each other up, and obviously at that time focusing on our, our daughter and her, her care with the medical team to get her through that situation. So um, the anger was there, but I would say it was short-lived, and for that I'm thankful. So the human in us will always, I think, expose us in the worst of time, but uh, it's uh, kind of up to us, that free will, to make the decision to move away from that kind of mindset and kind of put the energy where it matters, and that's on the Lord, on the cross, and on our family, and that immediate situation to you know, get us moving forward. And that's what I'm thankful for with Anne and Adri, is that we're able to kind of lock in on what's important and not get hung up on the why. Right. And you were talking to me the other day regarding what helped you guys get through those days. Can you share with our listeners what helped you guys get through those first month, weeks? Because I know you guys were saying that you were in the hospital for four months with Adriana, correct? Because it took time for her to do the surgeries and the, uh, the rehabilitation and all that. So what helped you guys get through those days, Anne? Well, first of all was prayers. You know, we sat and we prayed for Adriana's recovery. She was, I don't think she was supposed to be here. She was a miracle. She was a miracle. Through prayers, she's made it this far. Um, so it started off with prayers, first of all. Um, started off with believing that God, you know, can save her. And all the people that were praying for her, we had people from around the world praying for Adriana. <laughs> and... Um, and for you guys, I remember, for I remember us, that day. For us to have strength, I mean, I don't think we could have... I didn't think I was going to make it through the night. I didn't think I was going to make it to the next day. I didn't think I was going to make it for a week. I didn't think I was going to make... You know, every day that went by, I asked myself, how did I make it through this day? How did I make it through this day? How am I making it? How am I surviving? But... You know, we survived through all these prayers, all these people that were praying for us. And I believe that's why Adriana is here today. So all the love and support from everyone around us. I mean, people we don't even know were praying for us. Uh, family, friends, they were all there to support us. You know, everyone that we knew, everyone reached out. And it was love. It was the support. It was the prayers. That's what kept us going. Then we had our, all of our religious people that were wonderful. I mean, they came to the hospital every single day. We had many priests that, you know, priests that we knew, priests that we didn't know. Um, they were coming every day. We had Father Frank at the time <laughs> knocking at our door at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and he sat with us. He prayed with us. You know, we went to the chapel together, and we prayed, and we prayed, and you know, then we had, this is where Strides comes in, um, we had the seminarians. So the first seminarian that came through the door was uh, Father Patrick. Good job, Patrick. <laughs> so he was Patrick at the time, and he came in and asked if he can just, you know, he, he said he was very shy, you know, to come in. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a burden to you guys or I just want to be here and pray with you is that okay you know and we welcomed him in and we said yes sure come on in and pray and he prayed over Adriana he prayed with us and when he was leaving 
uh, he asked us if he can come back the next day. And we said, sure. He came back the next day and then the next day. And then he, he brought another um, seminarian, which was Father uh, Brian, Brian at the time, yeah. Brian. Uh, he came with him the next day. Then the next day we had Father John. <laughs> and he was a Barty at the time. And, um, and then another seminarian, Father Perrin, um, who else? Father... Father Marcus. Um, you had the whole crew. So. With the whole crew. The whole crew, was, they were all seminarians at the time. There was about 10 or 12 of them, and um, they they were all coming every day, almost every day. Um, one, you know, either they would all come together or we would have, you know, two, three at a time. And uh, they would just take us and we would sit and pray the rosary. We would go to the chapel. We would pray on top of Adriana. Um, every time she had surgery, you know, they were there. They knew the timing. They would come right before the surgery, and we would all huddle over her and pray together before the surgery. And um, so even after uh, they went back to school, I remember it was like September, and they were all going back to school to the seminary, and they were still coming. They were still making time to come see us. Come to your house too, correct? Then they started coming to our house once we left the hospital. So they still made time to come. And see Anne us. would cook for all of them. <laughs> None of them would bring food. So I would it's make okay. dinner for them yeah. every time they came, and um, we would all sit together <laughs> and <laughs> eat and and pray, and um, and that's what kept us going. Honestly, it was through them, you know. Oh, I have to. I have to say the nuns. Um, they're my sisters now. They're my sisters, my friends, my best friends. I love them. They were all there for me from the beginning. You know, they were always there for me. They were always there praying for with us. And you know, that's you know the other people that were there with us, the seminarians, the the nuns, the priests. So I mean, how could we not give back to? all these people that, that have done so much for us, that kept our faith. Um, without them, I think, you know, we would have probably lost it. We kept our faith because of them. They taught us how to keep our faith, and they would thank us. You know, every time they would come to our house or to the hospital, they would thank us on the way out. And I'm asking them, why are you thanking us? We should be thanking you. And, you know, this is came from the seminarians, you know, they were just now starting out. This was an experience for them. This was an experience that they should have been taught later on as priests, but they, they learned this as seminarians. They learned this very early on, and this is why they, lear they learned how to deal with somebody like us, somebody with a big loss like this, and that's why they were thanking us. And um, so they told us, told us that they've learned a lot through this and I, I think it's amazing and john you you and i were talking about this where you said you know our community is truly great in that way and you know i, I do want to make a uh, send a shout out to all of our priests and seminarians i truly believe that we have one of the best priests out there they truly love the community they serve the church they serve you know you can see it in their faces and in, in their listening to their homilies they're true men of god and you were saying the sisters too i i, I love our sisters. we call maserat if 
if you're mm-hmm. if you're not Chaldean, you know that's what we call them. Um, but we, I, I believe, our religious uh, folk are, are one of the best, and, and our bishop, you know, Bishop Francis. I, I love Bishop Rahim too, and Bishop Francis, amazing. How you were saying he would come late at night yeah. when nobody was around because he wanted to do it, you know just from his heart. He didn't do it to see people show him off or whatever. Right. And that's the kind of person he is. And that's what I love about our priests and you know, and, and all of our lay people. They, they treat us and they treat the community as shown like family. We're, we're all united through Christ as one. That message is clear. It, it comes from the bishop and all the priests down through the nuns. And I think this was proven here in our case as witnesses of their love and their compassion to to be there for us, to continue to educate us, to ensure that we're on the right track and that we continue to kind of see the light and stay out of the dark. And I think uh, we, you know, for, we're forever, I think, uh, grateful for their love, for their presence, both in the past and to this day. And I believe into the future and forever. I, I know that for a fact. Just that's That's who they are. And that's what I know about them. And it's not just about my family and our family, but I think it's for the entire community. So we ought to be very thankful and grateful when we see them. I think a simple shout out, thank you, um, needs to be kind of put out there and and shared with them at times because they deserve it. And um, we're very grateful for them. Amen. Uh, You know, I'm a true believer in signs. I believe God shows us signs all the time. You guys share this amazing story with me, and I wanted to share it with the listeners, but I'll let you finish it, John. But when Gabby was, um, I'm sorry, not Gabby, I apologize. When Adriana was in the hospital, uh, so you guys were there for a while, and above her bed, there there was a painting, which is now hanging in John and Ann's house. And when I saw that painting, the chills came through my body, because I was like, that's God, that's 100%, that's God telling them. I mean, I know for a fact, where Alex and Gabby are. I know 100%. If anybody tells me otherwise, I call them a liar to their face. They're with our Lord Jesus Christ right now, 100%. But this sign that God gave you guys in the hospital, and John, please share with our listeners the picture that was hanging over her bed the whole time you guys were there. Sure. So, Sean, when when Adriana was admitted into Beaumont Royal Oak, uh, she had a sur- two surgeries, then was admitted into ICU. And... Um, you know, we were on the fifth floor in the PEDS unit, but within the ICU unit of that floor. And behind her bed, you know, it took a few days to kind of realize, or maybe even a month, and I'm sorry, but about a month later, um, you know, looking behind the wall, on above her bed, there was a, a rectangular photo of two children, a, a boy and a girl, depicting Alex and Gabby on a dock, on a lake, kind of just looking outward. And what are the odds of, you know, every type of artistic photo out there that we, wow. we, we, we land in a room with a photo of a boy and girl around that age group on a dock, on a lake, kind of looking out towards the sunset um, that, you know, it, it kind of rests above their sister's bed where, you know, the message was very clear. We're here and we're going to watch you and we're going to take care of you and Amazing. the family. Um, that uh, it was hanging. And after we, we left the hospital, Sean, uh, my younger brother reached out to the ICU unit, was able to get the name of the artist, and, and actually was able to track down a couple of those photos, was able to frame one up and send it to our house. It's beautiful. And, and now sits, as you saw in your visit last week, to our home in our dining room on the wall. Amazing. You've had many signs from them. Yeah, amazing. And I'm, I'm sure you have. So 
going along with the seminarians, let's uh, talk about Strides. So Stride for Seminarians is actually coming up. John, you want to share us a little bit about what this organization is? Obviously, with all this interaction with the seminarians, you guys decided to start this organization, correct? That's right, Sean. So as, as Ann shared with you earlier about the um, kind of early presence of, at that time, Patrick Sitwin, our Father Patrick, Father Brian, Father Perrin, Father John, and the other seminarians, um, we kind of, when we left the hospital, start to reflect on kind of our experience with them, what they did for the family, and then we start to kind of, you know, think about what ways can we do to give back to these young men and to our diocese. So we had a chance to come together and meet with, at that time, Father Andrew and Father Pierre, and uh, thought, hey, maybe we can come up with a walk, a walk with our community members and our families and uh, be able to fundraise for the seminaries and their education um, and room and board of the Sacred Heart Seminary. So that was kind of, I think, the birth of Stride for Seminarians. Um, And we thought, well, where can we host this event? And one of our favorite destinations as families growing up was the Detroit Zoo. Alex loved it. Gabby loved it. Adriana loved it. It was a beautiful family day. We'd always spend two or three weekends there, just walking the zoo, eating, walking around, having a great time. So we chose to pick the zoo as kind of our location to host the event. We thought uh, with it being centrally located, it would be a perfect kind of family community day to come together, walk, and at the same time have a chance of time for fellowship. And just to thank the community for doing all they did for us and sharing their love. We want to give back and have a chance to interact and see them. So the event kind of came together back and early 2014, and our first event was in September of 2014, and now we're approaching the 19th of September this year. It'll be our eighth annual event. And uh, to date, Sean, we have raised somewhere north of $600,000 for our seminarians, and uh, our goal is to hit the million mark soon and beyond. So we're very grateful, again, for their love and support, and I would say just a small token on behalf of our family and our wonderful committee, just a shout-out to them as well, for and the hundreds of volunteers that help put this together each year to allow for a day like that where we're coming together and just sharing a lot of love and prayer. So it's a walk, it's there's kids' activities, and then it's also there's a mass there with the with Bishop Francis to again be able to kind of celebrate the lives of Alex and Gabby, but to also celebrate our seminarians. So this year I'm fortunate to be able to come to it. Thank you, John. Um, and uh, we I do know that the the event is sold out, correct? But if you if you want to, if you find it in your heart, you can still donate to this wonderful organization. And John, is it Alex and Gabby? dot com alexandgabby.com and I do know that on ECRC on the Chaldean Diocese uh, Instagram and Facebook pages they have posted about this so you can go on there and get the link from there but again it's alexandgabby.com and you'll see their picture right when it comes up uh, it's, it's a memorial fund and please if you find it in your heart please donate to this wonderful um, organization because it helps our seminarians it helps these great shepherds that shepherd our church that helped these two wonderful people to learn and um, you know become wonderful priests. So, Absolutely. So yeah. this is, again, for the future of these young men to be priests and pursue that journeyhood, but also for our community. And I think kind of what they did for us and our family eight years ago, I know will be replicated a million times over with these men going forward as others will have needs over time. I know these young men will be there for them like they were for us. So. Wonderful. Yeah. And we so, have a lot of um, 
supportive people that, you know, the sponsors. This is what helps us raise the money is all the sponsors that come in with, you know, all this money. And uh, we know we want to thank it, all the sponsors for that. We want to thank all the volunteers. We have 150 volunteers wow. every year. And it's a big event. It's a, you know, when it's at the zoo, unfortunately this year it's not. It's at the seminary. But when it's at the zoo, we have 1,500 people. So Amazing. That's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. And that's a wonderful organization. I, I, and I'm sure, you know, on behalf of the community, we, we thank you for this organization. And I'm sure the seminarians do too. So another organization that we had spoke about when I was visiting with you guys last week was the Grief Ministry. And you guys said you started it first in a small group, but then it grew so much that now it is it is part of ECRC, correct? That's correct, Sean. So, so what... What is this organization exactly? So, if if I heard the word grief ministry, what would I what would I uh, expect if I were to come to ECRC or wanted to sign up for it? What is this grief ministry? So, the grief ministry, Sean, was formed back in April of 2016. And if I can just backtrack for a moment about kind of why it started and how it started, of course, you know, after our loss of Alex and Gabby back in 2013, soon after that, you know, within our own community, there were several other families also impacted with first loss of children. So we found uh, that those folks were reaching out to Ann and I for support, for a shoulder to cry on, for some guidance. Um, and at first we, we were kind of pausing and saying, you know, Ann and I, we are the ones kind of shattered to pieces. You know, why are they turning to us? Who, who are we to provide any kind of guidance or support or uh, mentorship when we, we're, we're shattered to pieces? But we found first through our kind of initial connection with these folks that uh, there was a lot of, you know, comfort being exchanged. Um, I think it was for, for both sides, us and these families, very therapeutic. It was uplifting. I think it allowed these folks to kind of lift a little bit, come out of darkness and, and realize that, you know, there is life after death, that there is a God there that is there to take care of us. He took care of us and he can take care of you was kind of the initial message. And I think from there, this kind of group, you know, two years later, kind of we found that need where it blossomed and became something, you know, more official. And the official name of this group, Sean, when it did form, was Grieving with Faith and Hope. The two kind of pillars to, you know, getting anyone with a loss of a loved one, whether that be a child, you know, a spouse, a brother, a sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, friend, neighbor, whomever, kind of through you know, dealing with that loss, faith and hope, the, the pillars of kind of getting us through that journey and hopefully to heaven one day. Uh, and that's how this group kind of started back in April of 2016, a very small group of maybe six or eight families. At that time, uh, we would meet every third Friday of the month. Again, we were much smaller then. Uh, we had the, uh, the blessings of our sisters to open their doors to the convent over in Farmington Hills at 11 and Middle Belt. And our group would come together from like 6 to 8 o'clock uh, every third Friday. But over time, as additional tragedies started to develop in the community, I think there was even more demand. The group suddenly went from 6 to 8 families to, you know, almost nearly 50 families and growing, unfortunately. Um, and, it, you know, two years later, so now we're into 2018 roughly, um, we had ECRC approach the group and, and was looking for a ministry to kind of include as part of their overall umbrella organization. And we were very glad to kind of fold into ECRC and be able to kind of leverage their resources 
in their network to you know gain more awareness. That was the purpose of becoming part of ECRC, sure. a much larger organization for awareness and, and being out there and having a presence. So we're now part of ECRC. Uh, we still meet, but I think it's every second Friday of the month, and um, it's a beautiful group of families that come with an open heart. There is a lot of love, Sean, a lot of trust in allowing us to kind of share our stories, our pains, and we understand it. We, we walk in the same shoes. So I think having that understanding alone is just enough for these people to come in and just pour out their hearts and allow for that kind of transformation, that kind of therapy, that kind of healing to occur almost kind of real time before everyone's eyes. And um, it's been very transformational, not just for them, but for Anne and I to kind of be able to lean on them like they leaned on us. So it's definitely a two-way street. And this is a beautiful group of people that I would say have a lot of courage and strength to get in the car and then drive out to whichever location is being hosting uh, that evening to, to come in and be able to share their story and their testimony and just to be you know, very open to you know, their pain. Well, really, they, they don't even have to talk if they don't want to. If they don't feel comfortable, they don't have to talk. That's the good thing about this. You can just listen. We have speakers, and, you know, we have testimonies. We have, you know, we'll do a dinner outing where it's more casual, where you can, you know, you're not kind of in a circle where you, you don't feel comfortable talking. You know, at that time, it's social, you sure. know, and um, we'll do a picnic. Um, we've even had a retreat done, you know, a two-day retreat, but we didn't, it wasn't overnight, um, so... People feel comfortable talking to other people that have gone through this, and this is why people have. Yeah, it's very therapeutic. Yes, it is, and it's good for us, and it's good for them. And we didn't have this in our Chaldean community, so that's why we, you know, we talked to each other and we said, you know, people don't have anywhere to turn when things like this happen. I mean, fortunately, we had so much support from family, friends, um, our religious people that helped us, but other people don't have anyone in their life. So that's what they wanted. They wanted something like this for them to come together. And actually, you know, you become a family, you make friends. And now we have, we have friends that we vacation with from this, you know, we've made friends with them. So it's, it's good for all of us to have that. Now, can someone who so who's who's not grieving come to something like this? Like, for example, if I have a friend that, that I know is grieving and I want to learn more about this and I want to help that person out, could I attend this them. event? Yes, we've had people come where they wanted to support another person. And and how do I get more information? If So if, if let's say, I'm grieving or I know someone who is grieving, how do I get them more information about this ministry where they can come and attend? So, Sean, on the ECRC website, there should be a link for the grieving ministry. And you know, if you select that link, there should be information about our group. I think there's contact email addresses for Ann and I, as well as our, our phone numbers. We've had direct dial-ups uh, just recently. We've had a loss, loss in the community where people have kind of tracked us down through that website. Uh, so I think that's the easiest avenue to get to us. We do have also a Facebook, I believe, an Instagram account. Instagram. Uh, through ACRC, they post right. our flyer every time we've, right. you know, we meet. So you can contact... ECRC or one of us to get more information. Sure. So I'm sure maybe this topic comes up a lot during the ministry, but I wanted you uh, both to give your, you know, you, your your advice on this because I, I know maybe some people are thinking it. But so you guys mentioned that, you know, in the beginning, 
people were approaching you guys and you know the things that they would say to you guys not knowing that it was something that would trigger or hurt you guys because not knowing how to deal with someone saying hey something as simple as how's it going you are saying yeah. something as simple as that like how's it going You're like what do you mean how's it going how yeah. is it supposed to go yeah. so i wanted to ask you guys what advice do you guys have for people who are dealing not not specifically dealing with grief, but have family or friends that are dealing with grief. What are some things that what are do's and don'ts that they should be doing or shouldn't be doing? Um, the first do is um, be around those people, support them. Even though you know, I would say if they're gonna shut the door on you, you have to keep trying because in the beginning, you know. I shut the door on a lot of people. I wanted to be isolated. I didn't want to see anyone, you know, but then you come around and these people are only there to help you. You know, you need their support. This is the time where family and friends should step up. Mm -hmm. You know, they shouldn't leave that person that's suffering. You, they need help. They need help. We needed help. So this is the time where people need to step up and say, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you no matter what. I'm going to be there for you. You can turn me down as much as you want. You know, in the beginning, people were coming and, you know, bringing food, you know, coming to the hospital every day, which I didn't want to be around. But you know what? They were there to help me, though. You know, now I realize that th those people are only there to help. And but I mean, close family. Yes, I would I would say I felt more comfortable with. Um, but then once I was out there in the world, <laughs> when we left the hospital, really, I was isolated in the hospital for four months. Once I was out there and, um, you know, living in the real world in my new life right now, I remember going to the grocery store for the first time, like, how am I even here? How am I even shopping? And then I ran into someone and she, you know, she just looked at me and I said, well, we have to eat, <laughs> you know? And this is what you're going to be facing. There's going to be people around you. You're going to feel uncomfortable, you know, in the beginning. But once you get through that, um, you'll make it. Uh, I'll tell you a story about <laughs> when, uh, you know, we first got out of the hospital and started going to church. Well, we were going to Shrine, which was close to Beaumont at the time. It's a beautiful and church. Yes, and we loved it there. Uh, so that's the church that we were going to from the hospital to Shrine. And, um, you know, it was two, three times a week we would go. It wasn't just on Sundays. But um, so once we left the hospital, we continued going to Mass at Shrine. And um, so one day when Adriana started talking, um, she asked, why are we going to... Why aren't we going to our church? Why aren't we going to St. Thomas, our parish? And I said, well, I don't want to be around our community right now. I'm not ready for that. And she made me, you know. She said, I want to go home. She said, I want to go home. I want to go back to my church. Beautiful. And she felt it. Is, I feel it too. So I did it for her. I wasn't comfortable at the time. You know, this was a year later, actually. And I was still not ready for that. I was still not ready to be our, around our community, you know. And um, so what helped me was the nuns. <laughs> they, I talked to them about it, and I told them that Adriana wants to go back to the church. 
And they said, we'll help you. We'll get you in and out. We'll, we'll shelter you. you. yeah. Exactly. exactly. And um, I was walking in with them and walking out with them. No one bothered me. No one said a word to me at the time. Um, but then as the time went by, I started feeling more comfortable. And people started approaching me, but in a nice way. You know, They would just come up and say, we're always thinking about you. We're always praying for you. And that was nice. Honestly, you know, I love, I love hearing that people are praying for us. And this is what we need. This, we need prayers for the rest of our life. Right. And that's what we need. So do let people in your life. Don't shelter yourself. You know, be around people. This is what helps. Um, if you're going to isolate yourself in the room for years and years, what is that going to do for you? Is your loved one going to be happy? No. You know, I think of Alex and Gabby. Are they going to be help, happy for me if I'm sheltered in a room all by myself? Do they want me to keep going? You know, they're pushing me. They're the ones that tell me go and do things. So continue doing what you used to do. Even I'm, It's hard. It's hard carrying the cross every day. It's <laughs> hard. Yeah. But you have to continue on with your life. I'm not saying go go out there and go party every day or go, you know, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Some days I feel like going out. Some days I don't, you know, I'll have my friends calling me, telling me, oh, do you want to go here or there on a certain day? I'll say yes at the time. But then that day comes, maybe I don't feel like it and I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm sorry. I can't go. Right. You know, so this is how our life is. And you just have to continue accepting that this is your new life you have to you have to accept it sean i'm going to add to that and say that i think a major ado for many others is understand um don't just have a presence in the beginning when the feelings and emotions are high when there's the need to have those around but if i reflect back eight years later or eight years forward or 20 years forward continue to have that presence in my own heart and my opinion that carries more weight and matters more that you're around me eight years later or 20 years later than you were eight years ago at the hospital when things were in shambles and we didn't know where to turn and, and where to look. But having that presence now when there is that normalcy and you know we're at home behind four walls and it's a quiet day, I think to have that outreach, to have a presence um, makes a bigger difference to me than it does if I reflect back to a visit eight years ago at Beaumont Hospital with hundreds of others there. I think we should not forget that this is permanent. It's, it's forever. And this is our journey and our cross. And um, I'm not at all going to swallow the pride here. We, we, we need help. All out there that have lost loved ones need help to carry that cross, to show them the way. And I think there's nothing better to have that presence, that love, kind of real time and person together. The texting, the FaceTiming is all beautiful, but there's a need to be there physically with one another. That person to person. Person to person. Amen. Yep. John, you know, I wanted to ask you, we were speaking about this. What advice do you have as a father to other fathers who are listening, who are either dealing with this or know someone who is dealing with something similar to a, a tragedy, that, something, that they're dealing with grief? What advice do you have for them as a father? Sean, I would say lean very heavily on the Lord. Surrender to him. He's going to take care of you and us. He will lead the way. 
but you know you're being tested here. Your will is being tested. Your faith is being tested. You know, be that Catholic that you always prayed you were, that you believed you were, and just have the faith in Him that He's going to embrace you. He's going to share His graces. That He's going to deliver and provide you the strength. So don't give up on the Lord. And if you can manage to do that and stay fixed on Him and the cross, you know everything will will be just fine. And I think you should not also forget those loved ones around you. You know, your wife, your family. You know, lean on them, help them, have them help you. And again, we always kind of say that altar, Sean, at marriage time, it's for better or worse. And that means you kind of step up to the plate and now we're at the worst and uh, we have to kind of abide by those words and uh, carry one another. So I think if you can kind of take that and, and carry those words into the future when you're in that situation, it's going to make a big difference. But also, I would say just, you know, every day be grateful for life. Be grateful for your family, for what you have. Don't lose sight of the big picture. And that are the important things. Your your family, your health, and obviously the Lord and your faith. Those come first. Everything else is secondary. Amen. And same question. But now, what are you as a mother? What advice do you have for mothers? Well, as a mother, you have to stay strong for your family. You know, the house doesn't run itself. It's the mom that's running it. You know, you have to be strong to be able to take care of your other children. I have Adriana, and this is what keeps me going every day. It's knowing that, you know, she has me there to take care of her. She still needs me, and I have to stay strong for her. Um, You stay strong for your family. Stay strong for your husband. And um, keep your faith. Don't lose faith in God because, you know, he's there. He's there helping you. If you don't believe that, then you're not going to get that strength from him. So you have to believe in him. Um, Stay focused on him. Stay focused on Jesus. Uh, Pray. Go to adoration. Um, You know, just stay strong. Stay strong. I know it's difficult. You know, I (laughs) we're here. (laughs) We're doing it. Somehow, some way, you know, we have to stay strong and just keep praying that God will give you the strength every day. So, you know, we were talking, thank you, Ann. We were talking um, about this at your house and, you know, eight years later, you guys are both here, still strong together. What advice do you both have for couples, married couples going through something like this? Is it something that you know, we were talking about can a marriage withstand something like this? And you were talking about some statistics, how you had looked up or you, you know about regarding when situations like this happen. What advice do you have for married couples? I would say, Sean, t- two is better than one. So you, you've got one another, you are one, but there's two of you to kind of lift each other each day. You're going to have bad moments. One will, the other has to kind of step up and lift the other. I think I'm going to go back to your kind of uh, day of marriage, your 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 vows at the altar, for better or worse, you know, adhere and stick to those words. You you, you are being tested, but I would say just be patient with one another. Um, everybody grieves differently. Ann and I did. You know, maybe we early on we were on different pathways. I may have been a little more out there. I may have been a little more willing to maybe in the earlier days at St. Thomas, you know, walk the front doors, walk through a lobby, kind of. Put an eye out there, a hand to say thank you. 
whereas maybe Anne chose to go a different way, but that's okay. So understand we're different. Even though we're together under that roof, we're, we're different people. We have different emotions. We heal and we grieve differently. But at the end of the day, we are one, but we're united through Christ. And again, two is better than one, and the two can help each other kind of carry this cross and make it much lighter every single day until the very end. So I'm a big believer in just you know, continue with that strength and adhere to those vows. And if you can do that, you know, I think you're going to fulfill your promise to the Lord and he, He's going to turn around and take care of you like He's taking care of us. So, like, once again, I, I got to say I'm thankful to Him for that. So, thank you for Anne, too. And I'm thankful to having a great wife that has been tested. And to this day, I, I see her every day at home and the way she handles me at times. I have my moments. And, you know, our daughter who, who has, you know, had a very severe traumatic brain injury, so there's challenges, Sean, that come with that. But to have that patience and courage to just get out of bed every day and, and be able to take care of the house, to take care of the daughter and the husband, and um, you know everybody around her that comes her way, um, I, I'm I'm blessed. So once again, I'm thankful to God for having in. So, Amen. I'm, I'm thankful to have John too, because if it wasn't for him, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, he's pushed me a lot. I think I would be isolated in a room, you know, by myself. He pushes me to be, to go out there, and he's pushing to go back to what we used to do. Let's go back to this restaurant. I don't yeah. want to go to this restaurant. We used to go with the kids as a family. No, we need to go back there. They would have wanted us to go back there. Um, let's go on vacation. Let's go on vacation where we used to go. I don't want to go there. It hurts. It hurts to go back to where we went and see everything that we used to see or even go take a vacation, it hurts. It hurts to go anywhere without my children. I want them there. I see families, you know, with their own children having a great time, but I don't have my children there with me. It hurts, but he makes me go, you know? He pushes me to go and everything I do, it's, you know, <laughs> let's, go, let's go have a date night. No, I don't want to. For years, yeah. for years, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. I just probably started now, maybe, you know. <laughs> but he pushes for that all the time, and I think if it wasn't for him pushing me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I think equally, so. how much you lean on him, I think he, he, you lean on her as well, and I see that in both of you guys. Yep. Like you're her rock. Yep. You know what I mean? And you're full of passion and and you know emotions, and that's wonderful, right? I'm gonna reference something funny, that one of my one of my favorite com comedies. The man is the head of the house, but the woman is the neck. She turns the head the way she wants. Remember that, Ann, Okay, want you to remember that with. Totally agree, Sean. Yeah. Twenty-one years later. Twenty-one years, I, right? I, I validate that uh, comment or quote right there. Good. It's the truth, Sean. And I, I'm gonna just echo Ann's words, Sean. I think with anything in life, you know, to get through life every day, you, you gotta face that adversity and take a head on. We don't run from it because it's going to just push us in, into a hole in darkness, but take it on and the, the Lord will, he's, he's there with you all the time. Take it on and you're going to get right through it and onto better things. So I'm a big believer, don't run away, but run towards it and, and override it, overtake it and good things will come your way. Amen. The one, the last thing I want to touch on with both of you guys is your wonderful daughter that we've been talking about this whole time. So, Adriana, tell me a little bit about Adriana. Adriana 
Adriana was a completely different person before uh, this accident happened when she was 10. And she was very quiet and shy, uh, didn't speak much. She didn't know she was in the room. Um, now you would know she's in the room. <laughs> she's like me. We were, her and I were speaking a lot to each other. I remember that. So I think she's taken Adri uh, Gabby's personality. She's taking a little bit of Alex. She loves basketball now. He loves basketball. He used to love sports. You were telling love, me that, right? He used to love sports, and he, he loved basketball. Now she knows the names of all the players. She wants to go to the games. <laughs> um, she's taken on a whole new personality. She's full of life. Yeah. She's full of life, as which, you know, they were both full of life. Um, she likes to talk a lot. Um, she'll she'll make you known that she's in the room. If, yeah. if you didn't notice her, she's there. I was hoping she was going to um, be here tonight, but you guys you guys put me let, let me down. But all right, sorry, yeah, Sean. So she's uh, come a long way. She's come a long way. Um, she's fought very hard, and we've pushed her. We've pushed her very hard, um, and she has such strong faith. I, I think her faith is stronger than anyone. You know she. You know, she uh, motivates people now. Yeah. She she um, posts, like, on her social media every day. She'll post a verse from the Bible every day. She'll teach people, you know, oh, no, you know, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to this. You have, no, this is not right. This is, you know. And she'll push us, you know, to go to adoration. She's the one that, you know, will sit and pray the rosary she has a rosary she's the heart of the family exactly yeah. exactly so she you know she has such strong faith thank god everything she's been through um i think god is there with her and you know he's talking to her and and he's telling her to go out there and speak god's words and this is where she is today you were telling me she just graduated, correct? She did, Sean. So first of all, she's the shepherd here, and I think she's you know, leading yeah. the call and just uh, doing beautiful things. And I think there are big plans for her. That just, as a dad, as a Christian, I, I believe there's grander and bigger plans for Adri in the future, and those will kind of play out over time. But she just graduated, Sean, this past June from West Buffalo High School. Um, she's on to OCC here at Highland Lakes Campus. She wants to pursue a career in medicine, either maybe in the medical assisting or occupational therapy field. So she just had her first day of college yesterday. So day two starts tomorrow. So oh, kind, wow. of, God bless. kind of a new chapter for her. So we're excited for her. She's excited. And I know there's going to be great things coming from her in the future. And again, once again, I'm just thankful to God, Sean, for her progression, kind of knowing where she was at Beaumont, you know, in ICU, on a ventilator for three weeks, unable to even sit upright in a bed to get from that point and multiple surgeries to this day to be able to kind of get out there in this world and function like all of us and excel like all of us. Uh, I'm just thankful to God that um, she's at that point and she's a walking miracle. Um, even her medical team acknowledges that. So again, a shout out to them as well for being there early on and for many having a hand in, along with the Lord and saving her life. So we're grateful to that medical team at Beaumont and Raya Loke and you know, to me, they're part of our family, like our diocese, like you, Sean, our community, part of our family, part of our staple for the rest of our lives. So thanks to all of you. 
John, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I love you guys both. I'm, you guys are amazing people, uh, and your daughter is a true example of uh, the the quote, "I could do all things through Christ that strengthens me," and I know yeah, that's man. one of her favorite quote, right? I have it on mine right there. Look at that. Yeah. And and that, I told you, I already loved her because her and I share the same passions. We love the Chaldean Church. She loves this quote. We love to talk. Yeah. And she's she's me, but in a girl version. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I do want to thank you both for coming on the podcast. I want to thank you for sharing your lives with us uh, now and throughout the years, through these past eight years, you're sharing your life with everyone who, who either talks to you or comes in contact with you. You guys are amazing people. I do want to end uh, the podcast with, with this prayer. And but before I do that, I want to give this thought to all of the people who are listening. Love and don't take for granted the ones you have. If anything, we, what we can learn from John and Ann is love the ones that we are with right now. I know some of us have children or loved ones, and next time you're upset with somebody, a loved one, a child or something, remember the precious gift of life. And, you know, as we sat here and talked about what we just talked about, again, you think to yourself like, wow, you know, these two amazing people, what they went through, and you think about your own loved ones and take, do not take for granted what you have when you have it. I do say that. And another lesson that we learned from, from this episode is that God can get us through our darkest moments, which, which I will read this prayer in a moment and it will make sense what I'm saying. So the prayer is the footprints prayer. I'm sure you've heard it before, but I do want to read it right now. It goes, one night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from my life. From each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of my life flashed before us, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of my life. This really bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why in times when I needed you most, you should leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you. And I would never, never leave you during your times of trial and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then I carried you. Amen. I believe that. I truly believe that God carries us. He carried John and Anne through their toughest times of their life. And today they're here. Their faith is stronger than ever. And I see them. And I, I, I see the happiness in your eyes, both of you. And I, I'm so happy for that. Um, and the last verse I will, I will quote and then we'll end. Is, comes from Revelations 21.4, and it goes, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And, John, I thank you both for coming on, and thank you for sharing your story again. Uh, like I leave uh, always, I want to close the podcast saying, remember to go forth with confidence and that you have the right to be Catholic. God bless you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. 
To learn more about ECRC and all of our programs, go to ecrc.us.